This podcast is brought to you by Mad Company, a nonprofit theater company based out of New York City. Hello, and welcome to another episode of One Hail of a Conversation. I'm your host, James Hale. I'm the executive director of Mad Company and your host for this podcast. With me in the studio today is the wonderful actor, creative, editor extraordinaire, Kira Dooley. Oh, hi, Kira. Oh, hi, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing well, too. Thank you. Excellent. Welcome to uh, Brick, where we do our recording. Wonderful little place. I'm going to make you redo it. I might record another one. It's terrifying. And then left, <laughs> left it behind. We're tired. Right, and we're back for that exciting interruption. What next season will hold? My <laughs> name is James Hale. So, Kira, I was hoping we could start out how we start most podcasts, or most episodes, rather. You, on your resume, you went to USC... Mm-hmm. You then went to Lambda. You're now here in New York City. Um, yeah. I wonder if you could just sort of trace in your own words that journey and sort of how it evolved. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, USC, I went to for undergrad. I was a theater major. It was definitely my reach school. was very, very wow, surprised okay. when I actually got in. Thank you. <laughs> and the cool thing about USC is that USC had about like 12 different ways that you could major in acting okay so they had a bfa program but at the time i wasn't really interested in doing like a really hardcore bfa program um i really wanted sort of the flexibility of like the undergrad life and getting to explore a lot of different areas so they had a, a ba emphasis in acting program okay and so that's what i did so i went to la and i did that and i did a semester while i was at usc at bada much like many of yes, our many of our cohort and like many of our cohort i very much fell in love with london and the yeah. conservatory vibe so when i graduated from usc i was like i kind of would like to go back there <laughs> and so i applied for a couple of different graduate programs again sort of very much like eh, this probably won't happen. Right. But we'll see what we'll, sticks. Yeah, we'll yeah. see what sticks. And then I very fortunately got into Lambda as so well. So cool. Yeah. What, um, if you don't mind my interrupting, where else no. did you apply? I I applied for a couple of programs at Royal Central, but it was a couple of different programs that I applied for there. But yeah, the Lambda one, I think just right off the bat, the energy just felt really, really great. Yeah. And the audition process felt really, really wonderful and comfortable. Yeah. So it was exciting when that. Very cool. Yeah. Did you apply for that in L.A.? Yeah. Like you did You did the audition in L.A.? Yeah, they okay. came to UCLA. Yeah, so we I had to. We don't talk about them. We don't talk about them. So I had, to, <laughs> <laughs> I had to make my way over to UCLA to do that audition. But yeah, so it was right before spring break, actually. And I literally got on a plane to go back to see my family for spring break. And then it was on the plane right back, like right before the plane took off, that Rodney called him and was like, hello, it's... It's Rodney from no Lambda, way. and I, I've just gotten back, and I was like, why are you calling What's me? What's happening, right? Yeah. <laughs> what, what went wrong? Yeah, exactly. I just had to call you and tell you how terrible it was. No. <laughs> right. uh, you, will ne- you will never come you here. You will never be here. <laughs> no, yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. So, you're at Lambda with all of us, fortunate, unfortunate. We'll get into that later. <laughs> Graduated Lambda, it took you a little bit of time, much like me, to sort of get to New York, Yeah, I think. How did that happen? And why New York and not back to L.A.? Yeah, or... absolutely. Well, first of all, L.A., I I love L.A. I loved my experience okay. in L.A., but L.A. and I kind of have a love-hate relationship. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm very much like I like things 
slightly rainy and cold. I'm from Seattle. Yep. I kind of enjoy uh, weather where you can like bundle up and like where things are a bit closer knit. And LA is just very hot and spread out yeah. everywhere. So I did consider going back to LA, but in the end, I just didn't feel like that was the vibe. I kind of knew immediately that I wanted to go to New York, partly because so many of our group had sure. gone to New York. Yeah. But it was also just sort of like this idea in the back of my mind for a while. Okay. But yeah, it did take, well, first of all, the world was like sh shut down. Right. A thing happened. A thing, a thing occurred. <laughs> um, and at least for me, it was just not in the cards right away. Yeah, of course. Um, and also just, I think just dealing with all the repercussions of the world ending, I think mentally it took some time to be like, yeah, I'm ready to yeah. move across the country. <laughs> right. Yeah. But we got there eventually. Okay. Yeah. So it took you, it was, it was a little less than a year, right? We graduated in October. It was like nine months or so. Nine, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's respectable. It took me like Thanks. five and I wasn't doing yeah. anything. So, <laughs> um, you know, just hanging out. I was sitting in a chair. <laughs> right. Why... From Seattle, West Coast makes sense, but why USC versus a UCLA or another like excellent dramatic reach school? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I the programs that USC had. I remember when I was looking all the you know different college courses and majors that you can do, and there were definitely a couple others on my list that I was really considering. But what it kind of came down to for USC was one sort of the many different ways that you could okay. major in acting um, while also exploring other things. But also they just had so many classes. Like the the list for acting classes would just go on page after page after page. And they had That's things like, cool. like Alexander, which I didn't end up taking, but that was an option that you right. could take. And that was an option that um, you could take whenever it fit in your schedule and it wasn't just like a conservatory offering. Right. You could take things like voiceover or um, a, a bunch of like crazy different, you could take mask classes. That's and, so cool. Um, so you, you actually got down to like the the coursework level, this I is really, what my program yeah. might have. <laughs> That's pretty intense. I was really meticulous when about I, it. When I went to my undergrad, I think I just like threw a dart at the wall and was like, oh, seems good. I like, mean, that go works there. for some people. <laughs> for me, I was like, I need to know everything. Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's super cool. So, and this is skipping ahead in my notes a little oh. bit, with the BFA, or sorry, the BA program um, that allowed you to take all these other classes, all this coursework, what other things did you end up studying at USC? So I ended up doing, I, I originally was going to do a double major in classics, which mm -hmm. is essentially Greek, Roman history and languages, etc. The particular um, path that I was following just ended up, the courses just didn't end up working out. So I ended up minoring it instead. Okay. Um, but I've always just been like obsessed with history and like I, I always say that if theater is my first love, history is my second. And I just love cool. the older it is, the more interested. <laughs> the, the better. <laughs> exactly. Excellent. So that was definitely the the thinking behind that. Right. Yeah. Well that I mean makes sense why then Lambda and sort of this classical acting yeah, exactly. sphere that you went into. That's super interesting. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Got to do a lot of courses on like myths and uh, ancient wars and <laughs> yeah, all this nerdy stuff. Excellent, I'm like, yeah. yes, give it to right. me. Nerd out. Yeah. Everyone has their thing that they nerd yeah. out on. So I respect that. At Thank least you. yours is, you know, more interesting than most. What's what's your sure. nerdy geek oh, out? Oh, that I don't know. Probably like, what is my nerd thing? 
I don't know, economics or something like <laughs> like weird it's, or like it's a or good like thing that you're like current current events or something like I don't know. Yeah, it's a good thing that you're at the helm then of Mad Company. Well, if economics thank, is thank your, you. Your special <laughs> but, interest. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how well that works out for all of us. <laughs> um, so you eventually land here in New York. Mm-hmm. You didn't want to do L.A. New York definitely an acting city. I'm interested about the balance that you and, and other artists have struck between, especially the our phase in um, our careers, early sort of establishing ourselves. How do you find balance between making money and living a life and being creative, auditioning, all those things that we're compelled to do as as artists? Yeah, I feel like Funny enough, I feel like I'm only just sort of starting to find that balance and to understand that. In all honesty, right when I moved to New York, so much of my time was taken up with figuring out how to make money Absolutely. and how to yeah. survive. And I moved to New York toward like the later end of the pandemic, but the pandemic was still going on. So even finding an entry level minimum wage type situation right was a very, very difficult process, which I wasn't necessarily anticipating. Um, sure. So, yeah, so a lot of my time was really just figuring out, okay, how do I diversify my income and get a whole, like, find something that's flexible enough? And in the end, I just right. had to sort of be like, I think we just need to focus on money right. to start. I have to live. Exactly. Yeah. We have to live first, and then you can focus on being creative. And I think I finally sort of started to get that balance. I'm now working in person somewhere fortunately that is very cool. supportive yeah. of me being an actor they came to romeo and juliet oh no way yeah Aww. like they like they took like a work trip out Aww, and that, so it, which was so sweet and very nice for me because i was very scared that i would be like can i take time off for a show please right i'm doing this <laughs> please other don't thing. fire me um <laughs> so doing that in addition to having some other sort of remote flexible things that i can just sort of do from my apartment right. to make money I feel like I'm just starting to now have the freedom to like, I can go out and audition for more things and totally. like actually devote time to that process. Yeah, I know. But it, it took time to it, get there. I totally feel you. It took me, um, I mean, honestly, I still feel like I'm struggling sometimes to balance. Yeah. Um, but it definitely, it took me a year and a half, two years to be like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing now. Yeah. Even like I have a job that works, I have a life that works. Should something change, I know how to change it. So it's not this like super precarious thing that's exactly. happening. But good for you for for being able to take a step back and say I just need to focus on on the on the living and making money, and like the art will come back. Exactly. That's, I think that can be really hard for artists and creatives to be like I, I'm not creating now, but that's okay. It's not exactly not losing time. There was definitely that that mental aspect of like, I'm not creating anything. Like, is this okay? Am I still an artist? Will I right. get back to yeah. there? Yeah. And so much so, of your self yeah. image can get wrapped up in that. Exactly. That. Cause when you're, when your self image is, Oh, I'm an artist. And by nature of circumstance, you have to take a step back and not do art and just sort of deal in the nitty gritty, right. the foundation that will later enable you to make art. Mm. Um, yeah, I can definitely mess with your head a little bit. But totally. I think it's a really important part of the process that you don't hear about often um, when doing like, oh, preparing to go out into the real world and, and right, doing yeah. the thing. Leaving, leaving our programs yeah. and we're going to embark on, you know, immediate success and immediate work in the arts. And, mm-hmm. you know, no, you have to make money. You have to be doing this for a long time. Yeah. Now that you've found a little bit of that balance, um, what sorts of projects are you pursuing? I'm 
finally able to do a lot more auditioning than I have been, even just at all in the past. I'm also thinking a lot about writing these days and like, interestingly enough, visual art as well. Because I work at a museum right now, so I'm constantly surrounded, surrounded by art, by art <laughs> sure. which is very nice in its own way. But yeah, I have about a trillion different like plays or books <laughs> that are that have been living up in my head for so long, yeah. and I'm finally getting to a point where I'm like, I should write words. I should actually write these down and work on them because I think these are good ideas, but they've just been living up in here right. forever. Also, even I mean, this is kind of. I don't know, but even just like doing the editing for like Mad Company, Mm -hmm. like even just getting into the rhythm of doing that kind of technical creative aspect um, consistently, uh, I think has been really helpful and really nice as well. Just to be able to be like, I have something consistently that I have to work on. Yeah, just something. And and you're accountable to something other than just, exactly. I want to do this thing, but it doesn't like, no one cares if I do it or not. Like, you know, I think that's such an underrated or underappreciated part of being, especially sort of a solo artist as actors often are, is that aside from being in a show or having an audition to work on, no one cares or no one will ever know if you are putting in the work outside of that. Yeah. And so even just a modicum of accountability in any sort of creative sphere, I think, I know it helps me so much to know that someone else is going to look at this, someone else knows this is happening, any of that. Yeah. Um, and especially something like editing, which you've been doing a ton of, is such a useful skill and can be either transferred into something else entirely yeah. or just useful as an actor. Yeah. No, it's really, I think it's really difficult. I mean, I especially find this with myself personally as well, that when I'm the only person that I'm held accountable to, Mm -hmm. I can so easily just be like, oh, but I'm kind of tired today. Oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Oh, like when such and such is in place. Right. I feel like you can find yourself in this trap of always waiting for the perfect time. Yeah. Or when I'm a certain version of myself to do something but I kind of think what I'm realizing more recently is that it's more just about doing something and just seeing where that takes you rather than being like oh it has to be this thing yeah 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 and there's always a million reasons to not do something I or or a million reasons I can give myself to not do something but the only reason that will make me do it is just I'm doing it right now and that's how it's gonna go yeah um, so you're auditioning more, which yes. is excellent. Are you looking, what sorts of projects are you finding that you are interested in auditioning for? Is this like larger scales off Broadway? Is this tiny little things in basements, the weird art, the corporate art, the <laughs> classical art? What are you, what are you interested in? Yeah, I like it. The weird art. The weird art. Um, I'm kind of focusing more on plays of whatever nature that they may be i'm really just sort of scrolling through backstage and just being like what might i fit and just sort of saying you know we're just going to send something off to whatever and just sort of see what happens uh throw the spaghetti noodle at the wall i suppose i have auditioned for some like shakespearean type things Um, returning to your roots exactly i feel like with like this part of process the part of this process of like returning more to auditioning more i it's a little easier I find to sort of start with something that I know I have a specific skill set yeah, in absolutely. that I can point to and be like, I've gotten this degree, I've done so such and such many shows, like this is something I'm very confident in and confident advertising myself in, especially even just like returning with 
Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Like so much of that process, I think for me was just, hey, remember what it's like right. to be an actor. Yeah. Shake and the rust off. A exactly. Bit. Exactly. So I have done uh, a couple of those auditions, and we'll we'll see where they lead. Right. Um, All you can do is exactly do the audition. Yeah. So speaking of your extensive training in uh, the classical world, um, I'd like to just chat about Lambda and sort of yeah. see your perspective. Is there a favorite role that you had at Lambda? Ooh, at Lambda? Mm. Yes. I feel like I, I feel like I have two. One of them was just the whole process of Margaret of Anjou. I thought it was just so much fun. First of all, because one of my nerdy special interests being history and especially the, the Wars of the plays. Roses. Absolutely, yeah. I was like, yes. Finally, we can, <laughs> Dig like, in. this is perfect for me. And I got to do a really fun scene as Richard III, which, like, is just so much fun to just go way, way right. deep into something that is so completely unlike yourself, <laughs> I hope. Um, yeah. Well, we'll <laughs> one hopes. Yet to be seen. Yeah. And then I also feel, and this relates to you as well, Flaminio in The White Devil, yeah. which is a role that we shared. Yeah. Um, for similar reasons was also just very, very fun. Someone so completely out of what you would be in your Absolutely. everyday life. But also Flaminio, I just found he he talked like big, big game. Like he was really, he was like, yeah, I'm so evil and right. and I'm so tough and I'm going to do right. all these evil Devious things. And then at and the yeah. end he was like, oh, I have feelings. <laughs> Which was, like he sees his mother's crying and he's like, oh, interesting i'm a real boy emotions um which is just a very fun transformation absolutely to yeah fly. so i was i w was going to talk about that later but actually now is a great time yeah. so specifically with flaminio that's a role that i think for you is something very much against your type mm -hmm. um in a really interesting way but you also were sharing this role with me and we are very much not the same type <laughs> yeah. And specifically in our cut, if I'm remembering correctly, I had the first, say, act, mm -hmm. and then you took over for the second act. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like, did that, did the fact that you were sharing what's supposed to be a continuous role with another actor who's very different from yourself, did that affect the way you approached this role? Mm. Did you not think about it at all and just like, I'm going to do whatever I do and whatever James does is whatever he does and we'll see how it works? Or with what, what were your considerations going into Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely, well, because we all did our text work together. So I yeah. would definitely like pay really close attention um, when like you were working through your text work because obviously with the earlier scenes, you did your text right. work before First, me. Yeah. And so I would take into consideration like the conclusions that you guys were drawing and the, uh, I feel like that sort of dealt a lot with Flaminio's backstory mm -hmm. as well. So I definitely um, took some of that on board and I definitely deviated a little bit because I, there obviously whenever you're sharing a role with someone, there comes a point where you just have to be like, and and now I'll, I'll just do whatever I do right. and and we'll see there. But definitely the, the work that you guys were doing definitely fed into that and kind of establish this foundation, I think, upon which I could like sprinkle, oh, and I think I observe this as well. Or like, because I dealt a lot more with Flaminio being like, oh, emotions. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You had, right. The sort of, the sort of reverse, not reversal. What's the word? The, um, the changing character yeah. versus I was doing the establishing character and yeah. establishing the world. Do you find that, or did you find, I guess, that in hearing all of this, text work on the character that you would be playing that you had to like fight against 
just a, like taking everything that we were saying that we being myself and Jeremy, our, mm. our director, were saying and like accepting that to be true. Did you ever want to push back and say later, I think something different. So we should establish that. Oh, I don't. I don't think there was ever anything where I was like, I really intensely disagree. Okay. <laughs> I know I everything that you guys worked through, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, it all made sense. I think for me it was just a lot of finding out, okay, so now where does the softness come mm. in, if that makes sense? Because I had to get to a place where well there is both the acknowledgement of, oh, I have feelings. And actually, I'm like sad that my mom is sad and I've killed my brother and maybe I shouldn't have done that. But then in the next scene, I have to go be like, and now I'm going to kill my sister, then, too. Right. What a so I, weird character. Exactly. Fascinating, fascinating character. So, yeah, I think a lot of it for me was just figuring out how do I kind of make him a little more unhinged in a way. Sure. Because the Flaminio in the first act is very much like, I know what I'm doing. Right. I have everything under control. Right. The provocateur. Yeah, the yeah. Devious, I have all these connections. Right, the Iago character. Yeah. Almost. So a lot of my work was figuring out, okay, how does it all go horribly wrong? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And how do I just like completely fall apart right. as a human? When shit hits the fan, what yeah. does Flaminio do? Exactly. Interesting. Well, yeah, that performance production um, was all sorts of crazy because of the onset of COVID and everything. Yeah. But I think we pulled through. I think we um, did. Funnily enough, Margaret of Anjou, I think everyone I've talked to about it says that might be like the seminal moment for them at Lambda, which is insane because it was two and a half months into our training. Like we hadn't even yeah. been there that long, but everyone looks back at this project and just thinks, what an incredible time. Either the character I was playing mm -hmm. or working with Rodney or. Yeah something but I don't there was something magical about that time for sure oh absolutely it was like December we were like just wrapping up our first semester we were like wow we're learning so many things right. I also think until we got to the very end of our program it was like the most complete thing we accomplished oh, sure and it had the most like feeling of an actual show like the Spanish plays that we did they it, it wasn't that they were in like any different spaces, like they were in smaller spaces, but they were still in those like concrete yeah. lambda rooms. <laughs> yeah, the, the bunkers. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I think on Margaret of Anjou, there was this vision of like, we are actually going to create a different space sure. for the audience, which was like the rest of us and some of our teachers to actually go to. And the vision was really strong. Right. With that project, we're like, we're gonna do candles, and we we leaned in. There's live fire everywhere. Live yeah. fire everywhere. Uh, absolutely amazing that yeah. lambda didn't burn down. Yeah, we survived. We were running around with those candles. We were doing war scenes yes, we with were. those I candles. Was, I was dragging poor Lucy through hot wax. Yes. Not necessarily on purpose, but so it went. It just it added to the character. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yes, it's real. Exactly. Okay. Um, so Flaminio, Richard III, mm. um, is there a favorite class that you remember? Or not necessarily favorite, but maybe um, most useful? Mm. Or like what, what class do you look back on um, with the most appreciation? I feel like, like off the top of my head, a lot of the, um, any of the work that was very rooted in like the imagination or like utilizing your imagination in order to facilitate changes in your breath or mm. in your body or um so like a lot of the work that we did with 
Robert, I would say, sort mm-hmm. of fits in that. And um, like with Eriberto as well, some of like the elements work, law, but now I'm just thinking of every class. <laughs> right, yeah, just everything. And I'm like, wow, everything was so impactful. Um, but yes, anything that kind of took you out of yourself. Like there was okay. this one, um, I think this was in Robert's class, there was this one exercise that we did where like you imagined a butterfly landing on your fingertip and then you let the butterfly go and then you could breathe so easily. Right. And for me, like, I don't know if anyone else had the same experience, but for me, I was like, <laughs> I can breathe so easily. And wow. he was like, use the awe. And I was like, I feel it, I understand. It was one of those like lambda lightning bolt, Absolutely, uh, light yeah. bulb moments. Um, or when whenever we would figure out who different like movie characters, like what efforts they were in Lobin. Oh, the Lobin, sure. That was, I always found that to be very interesting. So you appreciated like the psychophysical sort of connection. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. I mean, that's actually probably what I learned the most at Lambda was that there is, when we talked about it, like figure of eight, inner and outer, Mm -hmm. um, that definitely was something that I was revelatory for me. You know, not only can it come from the inside and affect the outside, but what is outside can also come in yeah. um, and allowing it to work both ways um, felt beautiful and natural. And I had never thought about acting in that way. It made it makes it so much easier in a way to think of it like that. Right. Which anything that can make it easier <laughs> <laughs> right. is only a good thing. Exactly. So in that vein. We've been out of Lambda now for almost three years, which is crazy to me. I'm wondering if there's anything in particular that you or that we learned or were exposed to at Lambda that you still feel like you heavily lean on, either in your own creative practice or just in life today. What what's sort of stuck with you? Yeah, I think kind of well, I think to an extent the. Um, what we were talking about earlier, the just do art sure. and whatever it is, even if it's you know not up to your standards, just do it. And the process of doing that is the important thing. Hmm. Um, I think also just the idea of approaching, not even just an audition, but like anything with confidence and the preparation that you do in advance mm-hmm. is what gives you that confidence okay like doing that um that background work or knowing everything you're saying knowing why you're saying what you're saying in that moment and then just being able to have the freedom when you're doing the thing to be like okay i know what i'm saying i know what my goal is i know this character now i can just play and just have fun um i do also think i feel like i just saw on uh, like Instagram the other day, it was Rodney saying, if you can do Shakespeare or if you can do, you know, the classics, you can do everything. And I was like, yes. Hell yeah. Yeah. Because I, if you, if you've done like, wow, I'm a king and my, I'm going to go to hell if, or I'm going right. to lose my kingdom or all my family's going to die or I've killed my brother. Like if you've done that major thing, then you can do a contemporary right. scene. Anything else. Exactly. Yeah. I had a short anecdote from me real yeah. quick. There was a moment um, during Margaret of Anjou that I think about all the time. We were doing the scene where um, 
the queens bring the princes or, or go visit the Tower of London, try and visit the princes yeah. um, on the eve of them actually being executed. But they think they're going to be crowned and they're not allowed into the castle. They're not allowed into the fort. They're right. stopped at the gate. And we were doing the scene and I, I mean, I don't know the, the, the text anymore, but one of the actresses doing the scene, Michelle, like did it. And I thought did it well, was begging. She was asking. She was saying to the 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 fort, like stones weep for me or something oh, yeah. something like that or protect my children. Mm -hmm. Stones protect my children. She did it. And it was and it was lovely. And Rodney basically said, "Stop. We just want to explain what's happening. Your children are on the other side of that wall. You know they are going to be killed at this point because you have figured it out. You can't get in. So you're o the only thing you can do. The only thing you can do to protect your children is to beg." these inanimate stones to come to life to protect your children. Now go. <laughs> like, God damn it, Rodney. There was, um, there, yeah, there was an extent of like leaning into the metaphor and like doing exactly, yeah. like, like don't just say beg the stones, you beg the you stones. You do it, right. And, and it's the absolute most of human experience. Like what an insane thing for a real person to do. Mm-hmm. But if we're up on stage and we, this is a real world that we're creating, that person is actually doing that. So if you can nail that, yeah, anything else is possible for sure. I mean, any modern drama of, you know, sometimes life and death, sometimes family, sometimes yeah. um, self-fulfillment. Mm -hmm. But if it's as a real and alive as the only thing I can do is beg for these stones to somehow become alive you you can you can handle that yeah which i think is incredible i once had a i once had an acting teacher say um to our class if you ever get a line and this was in a contemporary class mm -hmm. if you ever get a line that is just so like saccharine or so like um cringy or just so f fluffy and you're like why why right. would i say this line you have to think of it in the sense that you say this thought this way because it is the only way you can say it. Hmm. So if you're using like the most flowery words or like the weirdest metaphor, it has to be because that is the only way right. that you can possibly express it. Right. You have to lean in. It has yeah. to be. This is. You this can't is apologize for the metaphor. You have to let it live within you. Right. Yeah. Man. Some of the things. Right. I'm getting tingles in here, guys. You can't. You can't see this, but. So I'm curious, We at Lambda, we heard about this, or at least I remember hearing about this occasionally, that a lot of the things we were learning, we wouldn't understand yet. And mm -hmm. it would take, you know, over the course of a career, it would take years, decades sometimes for us to be like, oh, I understand this thing now. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, has there anything, has anything in the last three years like clicked for you that didn't while we were at Lambda? Any new secret knowledge? That's secret knowledge that is just absorbed. Um, yeah, we would hear that all the time. Yeah. I remember, I think, was it was it Judith who would describe it as you are going to become, oh, what was it? Oh, no, now oh, I'm like forgetting the, 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 the competency. Right. Thing. It was um, unconsciously incompetent, yes. consciously incompetent, consciously competent uh -huh. and then unconsciously competent yeah right the, like the, the levels of learning exactly and she was like you are going to spend most of this entire experience being consciously incompetent right. and it was right. pretty early on in our in our lambda journey we were like no damn what? it <laughs> right 
sucks. Like, I want to know things. Um, And I honestly feel like most of the time I still live there. Um, Sure. But I do feel like some of the, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of these things are going to be years long processes. I think one of the things that maybe I feel like I understand a little better mm-hmm. now. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm like trying to go through every class in my head. Right. Um, <laughs> the totality of the year we exactly. spent there. Distill it right now. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> maybe. I mean, that, that's I fine. Know. Like, it's only been a few years. Like, exactly. There's not necessarily a bunch of secret knowledge that you should have unlocked. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna remember something the second I leave here. Excellent. We'll splice yeah. it in later. Yes. <laughs> Very cool. So leaving Lambda slightly behind, mm. um, I'm going to look at your resume here oh, right in front of us. Very impressive. Okay. Lots and lots of classical. Yes. Um, Including at USC, I see Bada, I see Lambda. So I, and we've talked about this a little bit, your appreciation for classics and history. Um, So I'm assuming that this classical, especially like sort of Shakespearean bent is intentional on your resume. This is not something that happened by accident and you happen to fall into all these classical programs and all these classical shows. I I feel like it's kind of a little bit of both. Okay. I think... Like, I definitely do go out for Shakespeare things or classical things because I love them. I love working on them. I love going into these worlds that was written by someone 500 or 1,000 years ago. And I'm like, and I'm saying these words. I think that's the coolest Mm. thing. And you're, like, begging to gods and you're, (laughs) you know, plotting things. It's so much fun. Um, But I also think because I love it, it in a way that does sort of make you fall into it a little more. Like sure. I certainly auditioned for contemporary things while I was at USC. Mm. I certainly, and I would get, sometimes I would get offers for contemporary things and sometimes I wasn't. Um, at USC, they have like their main stage shows, which are about like, depending on the program you're in, it can be like five, 10 or so shows that you can audition for in a season. Okay. But there are a lot of acting students there and like that many shows comparatively. So they have a really strong independent student theater tradition. They're in a lot of independent student theater companies. Um, And so I found myself doing a lot of auditions for those types of shows mostly, which are what a lot of these are. And right when I got back from Bada, actually, was when I started getting really involved in classical shows at USC. And so because that sort of became what I, not what I was like known for, but what was, it was clear what my strengths were. Sure. Then it became like, oh, like, yeah, if it's between such and such contemporary play or like such and such classical play, I just kind of felt like I fit more in that, that classical play world. And I got more offers for those. So sort of a, sort of a, it was kind of a self fulfilling cycle. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that that makes sense. I feel like that happens to, you know, professional actors all over the yeah. place. You, you're good at something, so you do it a lot, and then that's the only thing you do. Yeah. Um, not that that's the only thing you've done, but... Um, it's a lot of what I'm looking, doing. Yeah, I mean, looking at all these credits, a significant portion of yeah. them are, uh, are Shakespearean, which is great. Yeah. I also noticed there's a fun thing here. If we flip the page to page two, your number one special skill is crochet. Well, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> how, 
First of all, this is alphabetically organized. I know, but it's still, it, uh, yes. It does look it's like still it, number one. It does look like it has a prominent place. Listen, I wouldn't say that I am the greatest crocheter in the world. Okay. I certainly wouldn't say that. In fact, if anything, that was a bit more of like a pandemic child, like me sitting Aww. in my chair doing like, what can I do? I can crochet. Like we have like crochet keep, needles keep around the house. Um, I wouldn't say I can make anything like super elaborate, but I can do like a mean baby blanket. Oh. Yeah. Okay, have you have you, are there a lot of baby blankets that you've somehow that you've that you've finished and are <laughs> sending out to all the the new babies in the world? I should. <gasps> you should. I should. That's a great idea. Yeah, I have some yarn. I could do it. <laughs> a yarn and a baby. <laughs> and a baby. Oh, that's so exciting. That made my heart so happy. <laughs> that was great. Yes. Um, yeah, I can do like a nice little granny square for you. It's not like I'm. I don't expect that to do great things for me but if anything like if they need hey. a random uh, gremlin in the background doing some crochet i can absolutely they know i can fill that that's role. right yeah. somewhere in the world there's performance art that requires live yes. crochet yes and they're just looking for you yeah so if you're listening to this podcast it's kira dooley <laughs> thank you for your for I'm, your project yeah i have i love seeing what people put on their on their special skills on their resume uh, i have a friend from undergrad who puts can burp on command on her resume oh. and she gets asked about it i mean all the time honestly that if any non-actors are listening that sounds like something that is actually very useful for an actor right? because the one scene that requires you to burp exactly every you, time you know that they're just looking for that one person right yeah right otherwise that's a sound effect and it just doesn't hit the same no no no, no. It doesn't land yeah but yeah no i i completely agree my Especially on Actors Access, there's just like buttons you click. I'm like, yeah, yeah I've done yeah, these I, things I've once in my before. life, right? Yeah. Or I'm reasonably confident that I could dive on command. Yeah, I, don't know. I could. I could learn this could in a couple of weeks. Right. What's your most like? What's your most reach? Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the one where you're like, you know, I don't have a lot. I don't of actually know if I could do this right. But I could uh, learn. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> actually, probably skiing. Skiing. Like specifically downhill. Like, Why is there uphill skiing? No, like cross country. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so like I, I can, I grew up in Vermont, so oh, I, yeah. can, I can snowboard, I can ski, mm. I can now, because I'm an old man with a broken body, I yes. can cross country ski. Okay. So like <laughs> my skiing, if you put me on skis, I wouldn't necessarily fall over. <laughs> But I wouldn't look good doing it. So I like that. I wouldn't fall over. Yeah, I, I can, could stay upright <laughs> for the most part. For most of the mountain, I would be upright, but it's not gonna look good. So I actually, I feel like there's a lot of that on my resume. There's oh, yeah. a lot of like, I've done this before. Mm -hmm. I can do it, but yeah. if you're looking for it to look good on TV, probably not me. Yeah, you know, I, we'll, yeah we'll, I can't. we'll want my double to get in. Exactly. I can't say any of my baby blankets look brilliant, but. Right. <laughs> But, but, maybe, but they exist. But as long as you yeah. look good doing it, I think that's there more, we that's go. more important. There we go. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> um, great. Yeah. So um, I have some sort of extra time questions here um, yeah. that we'll just burn through and we'll, yep. we'll see what's Rock going on. Fire. So firstly, any dream roles you have? You could do any role ever in any place. <sighs> Which ones did you pick? I... This is more like a dream project. Sure. I just feel like I need to be on a period drama at some point in my life. I just need to like wear a, a big fluffy dress. Okay. And like run down the castle corridor. Sure. I don't know what role that would be, but I mean, any any role that will let me do that. Seems like there's plenty of them. I, yeah, I feel like there's a market. I would love to do 
because Lady Macbeth was one of those that like the role was split between the a couple split of role, people. Sure. I th- it would be very fun to do Lady Macbeth's whole journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good answer. Thank you. Um, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question. What? I'm trying to rephrase this in my head. Why acting and art and theater? What sort of drew you into that world? At a certain point, there just couldn't be anything else. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Okay. I feel the when as a child, when I was a child, <laughs> when I was a baby. Yes, I was crazy. I would like I would like watch movies and TV shows, and I would immediately like internalize them and memorize them, and then I would do them by myself. And my family had no idea what to do with me. There are like those old like VHS videos oh, of like me doing the entire dream sequence from Fiddler on the Roof by myself. <laughs> like oh, that's kind of when that, I'm like that's kind five. Of scary. Yeah, oh. I, um, that's it's like weird and dark. It is weird and dark. I, I do love uh, some weird and dark. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my wheelhouse. Yeah, but no, so. I think my family kind of immediately was like, let's put her in theater. Um, and, you know, I saw, you know, the school plays at my middle school sure. and I just love seeing them. They seem so magical to me. So I started doing those when I was old enough. And then in high school, I was like, well, I need to do right. theater. And then it was like, well, you could do this. Like, this is a job. This is a job. Like, you could do this and you could spend every day studying this and learning about this and just performing um and when you first have that thought i feel like it's kind of like oh no like that's not real right but the more time went on the more it was just like well i could theoretically do something else would it make me as happy Mm. or fulfilled and at a certain point, it's just like, probably not. If I end up doing something else later down the line, then that's fine. But I think I will hate myself forever if I don't, if you don't give it a shot. try. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I feel like a lot of, at least from the outside as actors, a lot of the sort of negative feedback we get over, oh, you want to be an actor, is the the percentage of people who make a full-time living and frankly live really well doing mm-hmm. this is minuscule. Yeah minuscule but there is a whole industry of people who either have multiple jobs Mm -hmm. within the industry they are writers they're producers they're directors they're actors they're um technical people um or they dabble while you know having a second career or they're they're high quality amateurs like if this is something that people are passionate about um and especially young people like it is entirely possible to do this Mm -hmm for your entire life you know there is no mandatory retirement age for creatives it might not be and frankly probably won't be fame and fortune and turning down movie roles because you're so in demand Mm -hmm. might be yeah but if you're if this is what you want to do you can do it yeah which gives me a lot of hope when i'm sitting and not doing it that you know i i I will do it again someday maybe maybe i'll never be rich maybe i'll never be on a you know a network tv show or on broadway but Mm -hmm. you know i can i can perform and be on stage for the rest of my life if that's what i want yeah and there is that sort of connection of this is when i feel most like me absolutely when i feel most like myself um which again might not be fame fortune turning down movie roles but nonetheless (laughs) is a pretty significant 
aspect of yourself. Absolutely. And your health and happiness yeah. and all that whatnot. So you were you were a theater kid through and through. Oh yeah. Growing up. I um and it was funny because I definitely was like, because I was like, oh, I don't know. And I think my family in the back of their minds was always like, start preparing. Like she's <laughs> going to go to drama school. I like, I think they 100% knew I was going to drama school and pursuing this way before, before I you did. before I could admit it to myself that that's what I wanted in life. That's fair. I mean, yeah. sometimes family just knows that. Yeah. Okay. So with that in mind, I wonder if you could chart out or frankly just make one up here on the spot Ooh. either a like personal and or professional five to ten year plan like where where would you like and this can be entirely fanciful yeah um you know there's no one here to judge that's true um what would you like the next five years or ten years or whatever to look like yeah for the next five years i would love to just hmm i feel like i would love to just do anything I want without restraining myself hmm. or without imposing any self-judgment on it. Um, like if, t if in 10 years I've like written some books or some plays and, you know, done however many plays or, uh, I don't know, TV shows or whatever, I don't know. Um, as long as I have put myself forward for anything that I want, essentially, mm. without thinking, oh, I don't, I don't know if I would be the best for that, or I don't know if my skills are um, up to par with that, or like, oh, I've never done something like that before. Right. Um, then I think I will be happy with okay. that. Okay, so it's more about um, pursuit of yeah the dream and and putting yourself out there than it is about in the next five years I'd like to be on off I'd like to be off Broadway yeah. twice I'd like to be yeah. whatever in the next 10 years I would love to be a movie star <laughs> right, <laughs> right I'm waiting for the millions to come exactly. in yep. yeah we we just talked about how that's not important no it's important I will make the millions I will turn down the movie roles <laughs> that's right um no except I think, nothing less kids. exactly I think as long as I just sort of allow myself to truly pursue and to truly reach reach for the stars or whatever um then i think that i won't have any regrets oh yeah that, i'm beautiful oh thank you i i, I wish that for you <gasps> thank you yeah. so you have lived and trained in sort of the three big at least english-speaking creative cities in the world True. uh la london new york city mm -hmm. i'm wondering do you have a favorite Oh, is there London. some London? Yeah, okay. Oh, take me back to London. That's <laughs> that there, we right. there we go. There we go. Ten-year plan. <laughs> back to back right. to London. The thing, the thing about London, <laughs> I feel at least for me, partly because of the theater, partly because of the history. It's just, it, it is one of those places where I just felt like ah, this is the most true version of me. Mm. Um, also, I think kind of like how we were discussing earlier, there, at least in the states and i think you know slightly less so in new york um but still present is very much like when you tell someone that you're an actor or that you're pursuing an acting career they're like oh great good but for you what do you do mm. like but like for money like it's very much like oh yeah but you're not in a marvel movie or right. you know something like that right you don't make your living as as an actor exactly sure. whereas i felt like in london 
if someone was like, oh, what are you studying? And I'd be like, theater. I'm going to be an actor. They'd be like, oh, that's great. Hmm. We love that. But it was very much more, um, it felt more respected sure. regardless of what level that you were at. So, yeah, I feel like even just for that support, supportive attitude alone, um, but also I just love London. London's London, pretty London, cool. London is that. wonderful. Yeah. I do love New York, though, as well. And New- I Also great. And I and I have love for L.A. <laughs> <laughs> and love somewhere in me exists it for exists L.A. exists for L.A. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally agree. It feels like I think the in particular the English have a very different relationship with in yeah. particular like performance art mm-hmm. than we do here in the States. And I mean talking about a country as diverse as England and then a country as huge and diverse as the yeah. United States is slightly different things. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I agree. It does feel like there's some sort of connection there and it might be just the fact that London sort of is the cultural center yeah. of at least England, if not the entire UK, um, whereas New York is just one of them. True. You know, yeah. we have so many other cities, mm-hmm. um, cultural centers. Okay, so you're 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 London, and in your ten year plan, you're heading in back. In my ten year plan, I'm going back there. Uh, I don't know. I'll have a little townhouse. There we go. In my ten year plan, I'll have a little townhouse. Yes, you can just jet off, jet everywhere. Exactly. On, on and off the West End. Yep. Yeah. Living the, living the dream. I, oh, they need me to come on. Yes. I su- uh, if I must. If I, I must. suppose. Yeah. Great. Um. So this is something that I've asked everyone who's been on the show so far. Um, I'm very curious about this for you. Oh. If you were not an actor and or creative, mm-hmm. what would you be? If you had asked me when I was in like middle school, I would say veterinarian. I thought I was going to be a veterinarian for oh. for the longest time. Okay. Um, but like absolutely not anymore. Um, probably like a professor or like an archaeologist or something. Classics again. Yeah. Okay. Going going back to my back to your roots. Yeah. I I feel like I need to do something in my life that I am passionate about. That's something you need to know about yourself. Exactly. And I'm very glad that we got to know a little bit more about you. <gasps> Yay. Kira Dooley. Thank you. We we appreciate you coming on. Thank you for uh, having me. You're most welcome. This was one hail of a conversation. Um, we were speaking with the wonderful Kira Dooley. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. And we hope to see you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more about any of the creatives who spoke in this episode, check out their social media links in the episode description.